Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, welcome. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Bob Getty, Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. It is the Wednesday edition of the Eagle Hour, and we're glad you're with us. Opening segment sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Proud supporters of our show and good friends of ours. Great food, delicious food, fresh food. They cook it seven days a week. Uh, here in Hattiesburg and at a Dickies near you, and we hope that you'll support your local Dickies. All right, I want to get right to it this morning. We're going to start the show off first segment today with our friend Dr. Mark Horn from South Central Regional Medical Center, incoming incoming president of the Mississippi Medical American Medical Association. Correct, Doc? Mississippi State Medical Association. There we go. Okay, I want to make sure I get this right. All right, Doctor. Uh, gosh, I, I wish when we brought you on we could be optimistic, but uh, I'm not. Uh, over 32,000 Mississippians now with this terrible disease. Over, We're approaching 1,200 uh, residents that we've lost. Elective procedures, it seems like we're going backwards, Dr. Horn. Elective procedures now canceled again. Hospital procedures in Hines, Madison, Rankin, Jones, Forest, and Washington counties. Yesterday, Dr. Thomas Dobbs says, quote, there is no amount of prudent planning that can overcome foolish behavior. These are not optimistic, uh, optimistic developments, Doctor Horn. No, they're not. But let me, and actually, I want to expand just a little bit. Number one, I'm optimistic about the long term. I don't want people to think this is the end of the world. It's not. This is not the first pandemic that humanity has dealt with. But this is the first huge pandemic. Now, there have been some smaller ones in the '50s and '70s and '90s. Well, you know. Nothing like this has happened since about 1918, a little over 100 years. So I'm optimistic about the long run. We're going to get past it, but we have to decide if we're going to get through it smart or dumb. And dumb is painful. Dumb hurts. And right now, with this help, uh, with this uh, restriction, say all elective procedures are not canceled. If you read it carefully, it says surgeries in tier one and tier two that require overnight hospitalization must be postponed beyond July the 20th. So those procedures that don't require you to be hospitalized overnight for observation, which is the bulk, don't require that. If, it, if you can be have your surgery done and go home, have your procedure done and go home in the same day, those, thing, those procedures are still going on. This is mainly about preserving hospital inpatient capacity making sure we have enough hospital beds, and all those hospital beds in particular, making certain we have enough ICU beds. So all of these counties that are mentioned, Rankin, Hines, Madison, Forrest, Jones, and Washington, our ICU capacities are being challenged. They're run, we're, we're not having 25% empty ICU beds. Those ICU beds are being utilized because normal life is happening, people are normally getting sick, and then we're laying on top of that far too many COVID patients that are going south. And this is what the average person has not taken into account when they say, oh, you get COVID and you're going to be okay. 
enough people are getting sick that it's soaking up all of our ability to do the ICU care that we need, so we're having to back off and not be able to do things that we need to do. Um, Yes, it's headed backwards. It's not headed in the right direction. And this is the low season. This is usually when our ICUs and hospitals are at low census, and now we're at high census. So what does this say say is going to happen when the weather starts cooling off and flu kicks in and COVID kicks up? Mm. What's going to happen then? Right. Luke? Dr. Horn, we uh, we were talking <clears throat> yesterday. It's been the talk of uh, regarding sports with Mississippi High School Athletic Association, the NCAA, and uh, even you know, since some professional ranks, people are you know optimistic about the spring. Let's go wait till the spring. And I guess my whole argument has been, why would you be optimistic towards the spring when you have a regular flu season? That's this is would be the most time also during the winter for uh, COVID to to hit us you know with a uh, whether this is a second wave coming or a half wave coming and that would be the second or third wave coming so people out there I think they're being a little too optimistic about the spring. I think we don't what we don't we just don't know what we do know is we've not gotten over the first wave and we've not gotten over the first wave in large part because we've not been serious about suppressing it. So that means that the second, these recurrences, or second wave, as as we call it, is going to be built on a higher base. We're building up a mountain of cases and a huge reservoir of the virus in our uh, communities from which to advance even higher. And so, yeah, I think people are being excessively optimistic. They can plan as much as they want to plan as long as they're willing to cancel those plans when reality Yes. Yeah. Dr. Horn. We see uh, Go ahead, we, we see in Washington and the president and other people really pushing for school to start back. Uh, universities like Southern Miss are going to start earlier in order to uh, not send students home during the semester. Um, Dr. Horn, at what place, from a medical perspective, is it is it very discouraging to know that you know 10,000 people across college campuses from all walks of life are about to be piled on top of each other? It's not encouraging, I, but look, I've got a pair of uh, seniors at Ole Miss, uh, a set of twins that will be seniors, and I, um, I think it can be done, but people are going to have to be serious about doing the right things. I think we can do school. I think we need to try. Uh, I was on a phone call this morning with a local school district, and they're working on a hybrid system where two days uh, a week in person, two days a week uh, distance. Um, I I think our uh, educators are doing the very best they can with a very difficult set of feature facts, and I think it's important that they try. In person is better than distance, uh, and uh, I believe. But people need to be serious. If we go in with the attitude we got right now, which is there's nothing to it, well, it's going to be a nightmare. If we go in person and take seriously the the social distancing and wearing a mask and not having fraternity parties where over 150 people get sick, like happened at Ole Miss, you know, um, and not having parties where we're trying to get sick, like happened at uh, at University of Alabama, I think we can be okay. But people are going to have to get serious. Right. What what's your feeling this week about football? We we just the guys on this show, we discuss it among ourselves every day and realizing the close contact, uh everything involving the game, we just don't see how it's uh 
largely practical. What, what's your thought today, Dr. Horn? It's a challenge that I, I just don't – somebody uh, brighter than me may come up with a, a good solution. Um, and it's a risk-reward thing. Uh, the reward is we all love watching football. The reward is a lot of these student-athletes, this is how they get an education. I get it. The reward is that a handful, a tiny handful of these student-athletes are going to go on to become professional athletes. I get it. But there is a risk-reward, and we have to be smart about that. So maybe the way the NBA is doing it, where they quarantine all their players and play them in one one, uh, isolated area at Disney World, maybe that's the right way. I don't know. Um, But I think we have to be really circumspect and careful about um, uh, in-person sports. Maybe the athletes can be there, but you limit uh, uh, spectators. But uh, it can't. I just can't see how we can go back to what we expect yeah. from in-person uh, sporting events. Dr. Horn, we hear that this is being spread among young people right now, and they're the ones that seem to think they're just nothing could ever happen to them. If you look at the entire spectrum of people that are developing COVID-19, what rough percentage of people, A, end up in the hospital, or B, suffer an illness to a degree that it does, it does take them off their feet and, uh, and does make them very ill for a period of time, even if they're not hospitalized? How many people are being affected like that compared to people that have no symptoms at all? So you'll see a lot of numbers bandied about, and to be honest with you, these numbers are somewhat fungible. It depends on how you look at them. So what I'm going to say is not definitive. Um, The best numbers I've heard are up to 50% of people have no symptoms. That leaves about 50% of people that do have symptoms. Uh, I personally know uh, people who are younger, in their 30s, very athletic, who uh, had COVID and who, you know, eight weeks later still can't. They were running five. They were running three miles a day, and now they can't run a hundred yards because of shortness of breath. Uh, two months after they were sick um, with COVID, so some people have a very modest illness. Some people have more significant illness. There are rising numbers of reports. Again, this is not definitive. Please, people who hear this, don't say I said this is. Uh, this is. Uh, proven in randomized controlled trials, but we're rising numbers of reports of people who have a post-viral syndrome that lasts for weeks or even months. We just don't know how long it's going to last. So to get, uh, yes, some of these younger people are going to not feel good for weeks or months afterwards. All right, doctor, we appreciate your time each and every week. Uh, We hope next week we have better news, but we're very grateful to you for your time every, every week, sir. You're welcome. Thank you. Dr. Mark Horn, everybody. South Central Regional Medical Center Chief of Medicine and a man that knows what he's talking about. So please listen. We'll be right back. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, our sincere thanks to Dr. Mark Horn for joining us each and every week on the Eagle Hour, as he does, and uh, hope that you'll heed his advice and uh, check with your local doctor if you've got an elective procedure scheduled that uh, would require you to be in the hospital overnight. 
Again, the counties that those procedures have now been canceled are Hines, Madison, Rankin, Jones, Forrest, and Washington counties. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net, uh, proud supporters of our show, good buddies of ours on Hardy Street right across from the Southern Miss campus. If you want to pick up your spirits maybe with a new Golden Eagle logo shirt or whatever, you can find it at Campus Bookmart and, of course, at campusbookmart.net. Kelly Sander joining us a little early today, and uh, Kelly's on the phone with us. Kelly, got some uh, junior college sports news. You know, several people, Bob, have, have said that after listening to the Eagle Hour, they said they've never realized how important uh, or where the junior colleges, you know, play such a big role in the state. But because of this pandemic that we're in, too, because they're the, they're the first football season to kick off on the schedule, you know, all eyes have been on the junior college. Next Tuesday, at six days from today, the state junior college presidents will meet it was a regularly scheduled meeting, but certainly the subject of football will come up. Originally, the junior college athletes were to report for duty, so to speak, on July 1st, but that, because of, uh, because of COVID, was pushed, pushed back to August 1st. Now, they moved the season back to the first week in September, and we've all documented that here on this program. But as you get talking with these athletic directors, uh, about the feasibility, and you heard Dr. Horn talk about, um, you know, how, how it can really be handled. You just, you sense a growing pessimism among these athletic directors that, uh, that football is, is actually going to get to be played. And here's, here's the challenge that I'd like to lay out there to some of our, um, educational leaders, athletic directors, or whatever. Um, things are not getting, you know, better as, again, citing Dr. Horn, and you would certainly think that in the next three to four weeks, they're not going to improve so greatly that everybody's going to change their mind, um, so, that, so that nobody gets their hopes up unless there really is a, a, a realistic opportunity that it's going to happen. I just wish somebody would be a leader and say, you know what, right now, pulling the plug. There's not going to be football this fall. I know nobody wants to do it. And if, the, and if there is a legitimate chance that it, that it can be played, then I get delaying it. But if, but if you're just delaying the inevitable, I think that's doing everybody, including the athletes, and most importantly the athletes, a disservice. A mutual friend of ours uh, said this to me this morning. I'd be interested in hearing your comment. He talked about those same things. Somebody needs to step up and make a decision. But he thinks that maybe they're not doing that because they don't have a plan B. And they didn't plan for what was going to happen if we can't play, what's going to happen if we can't safely put kids in school. And he seems to think that maybe they're not doing that because they don't, they don't, they won't have an answer to the next question. Okay, so what are you going to do? Well, I don't know that you have to go that far. I think you can just, you can just rule out football, for example. Let's Mm -hmm. just pick on football. Um, You know, you, you can say, we're not going to play football, right? Then, then that, that item is then at least off the plate, okay? So that issue's been put to bed. Then what's the next one? You know, you kind of, kind of take them one at a time. It's interesting that Luke yesterday on the program commented about the basketball season being moved up, and that's what the junior colleges have done. They're moving the, uh, for, for the time being, they're going to move basketball season up to start earlier, 
and essentially kind of have two seasons, a, a pre-district before, you know, or the games that are non-conference, and all those will be played before Thanksgiving and Christmas, and then you come back after Christmas and play the, the Mac Jack schedule. But again, all of that is, is so tentative yeah. right now. But How does but that help anything? How, how does that, in light of what we're seeing with COVID, how does it help anything to move basketball season up? Well, the idea is that you you would be having the the athletes would have time at home during the peak of the next flu season. I got you. Okay, you know which would be in uh, in late November and, I got you. and the month I got of December. You. Luke Johnson, are you ready to pull the plug on football? This is a broader discussion, and I say this as not an expert. I say this as someone that looks to men like Doctor Horn to do this. But where does the conversation in the complete opposite direction begin also about the fact that the mortality rate is going down exponentially, which probably tells us that it's since the very beginning, way more people have had it than what we thought, and way less people, and I'm not making light of 134,000 people in the United States at all. I, I get that. But there is, you know, there are people that just say, okay, so if we, if we hide from it, right, when does herd immunity ever come with? Maybe I should have asked that question last week. But I think some people, um, Jim Harbaugh is getting killed on Twitter today, by the way, guys, because um, he, he's trying to make that point that I'm not making. I'm just bringing it up to, to think about where, where does that, that line come in the opposite direction, that it's a fact of life that a lot of people have it, and at-risk people are ne- are the ones that you need to protect, and it seems like that's been uh, the stance that we took as a society in March and April, and we aren't taking it so much in May, June, and July. I'm just simply saying, if you keep running from it, do you? It, it may be three, four years. It may be five years, and that may be where it takes guys to get through it. I, I just, and it may just be for all of us just to realize that sports are sports. I know people make their living off of it. I'm not talking about people not professional athletes. I get all that. I'm just simply saying, if you pull it this year, then you better be ready to pull it next year. And if you pull it next year, you better be ready to pull it for the next four or five years. Because if they describe this as a three or four winter, a three or four year winter that we're going through. Um, you know, it, it's not a blizzard; it's a winter that we we've got to go through. That, I think that's the tension right now, and I think that's why you're allowing people to. Uh, that's why leaders are waiting before they pull the plug. If that makes any sense yeah, at all. Yeah, well, it does. And Kelly, are, are we making too much of sports? I mean, what about what about? And I'm just playing the devil's advocate here. What about this? We have a medical pandemic, the likes of which we haven't seen in a hundred years. Shut up about all the sports. That's not the priority right now. That's a reasonable argument. A lot of people in society who are not sports fans have, have been saying that for a while. That it wouldn't hurt them at all if mm-hmm. there wasn't uh, if there wasn't a season. You know, the one the one season that most people think is going to be played, which is really interesting, is the National Football League. And a poll out today says that 63% of Americans are ready to boycott the NFL over, right. over some decisions, you know, the administrative decisions that, that have been made in the NFL. So that's, that's kind of interesting. The, the one football league that you really think will play, some people are, are willing to, to potentially sit that out. 
So that may be the league that needs to take the year off the way it's going in the NFL. <laughs> they may Luke, be the ones that need to take a break, right? <laughs> but, but Luke was talking about, you know, a three or four year thing. I think what a lot of people are hoping is that our science, our scientific community will come up with a, with a vaccine. Right. You know, they normally say what, 12 to 18 months. Right. Um, but, but as expeditious as they've been with everything else, as far as COVID goes, you would think, even if it's not Americans, that, that somebody would come up with a vaccine sooner rather than later. Right. You know what the debate's going to be then, don't you? When they come up with the vaccine? The debate is going to be, should you take the vaccine? We've heard that before, right? Childhood vaccines, that's not 100% like it used to be. You think we'll see that with this as well? I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. If they put a chip in that vaccine, Luke Johnson ain't taking it. I'll tell you that much. I'll <laughs> die on that hill all day long. I ain't doing it. See, there we go. I'll go, I'll, go, I'll go live off the land, dig me a well, and not be around anybody the rest of my life. I am not doing anything. That's going to, and Kelly and I talked about this a little yesterday. You start talking Mark of the Beast stuff, government puts a chip in you. I don't care what disease it prevents. I ain't doing it. Yeah, my wife and I have been talking about moving and living off the off the grid, Kelly, but we're worried that we would starve to death if we uh, didn't have access to corner market. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and and what would uh, what would Bruno and Radio do? Oh, yeah, I'm telling you, it's not like they could, they would hunt. <laughs> <laughs> they've, they've been off the grid for years, you know. But but I really I really think that uh, that somebody you know because because look this is what July 9th? right? We're getting I mean, on down the road, guys. You're, you're less less than a month. School was supposed to start. Yeah, and and for the most part, nobody still knows what they're going to do well, academically. Can, can you, do you have to have both? I mean, is it not possible for kids to go back to school and not have football? I'm not advocating that. I'm just asking, is that not a possibility? Of course. Of course it is. Yeah. Yeah, but, but I mean, nobody has said anything one way or the other. No, you're yeah, right. As, as to either one. You're right. Uh, but I, but I, just, I just increasingly, in, in private discussions with some of these athletic directors, both at the high school and junior college level across the state i just i just sense a growing sense of uh, despair and uh, negativity about football all right kelly you gonna stick around another another segment with us sure all right we've got kelly sander luke johnson bob getty the whole crew's here first bank studios in laurel and hattiesburg we're glad you're with us we appreciate you tuning in every day we'll be back in 30 seconds Southern Miss to the top. Back on a Wednesday. Appreciate Kelly Sander for joining us. Uh, he had something to come up, so uh, he's out of uh, checked out. And Bob and I, Bob and Luke from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel, third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg. Fried Oyster Po' Boy is the sandwich of the week. So be sure to go see our good friends at 4th Street Bar 
and grill. All right, Bob. Um, I was I was joking with you guys during the uh, during the break, and it this story about um, Stanford has has come up. Uh, Stanford Cardinal, Stanford University, obviously the Cardinal, not the Cardinals, but the Cardinal, probably has the some of the the biggest number of varsity athletic teams anybody in the country. Thirty six they have. You just have to have sixteen, you know, to uh, to be Division One. They're going to cut eleven of their varsity programs at the end of this academic year. Um, so the upcoming academic year, they will still have thirty-six. But you know, you, you don't even think about this sometimes, where some of these programs and teams that other uh, that aren't in Mississippi or aren't at Southern Miss, men's and women's fencing, cut hmm. field hockey, cut lightweight rowing, I guess as opposed to heavyweight rowing, cut men's rowing. Co-ed and women's sailing, squash, synchronized swimming, men's volleyball, cut, and wrestling. So it appears like they will um, continue this athletic year with it, whatever that looks like. But yeah, Stanford University charges they got to be north of fifty grand, you know, yeah. per year for tuition. Wouldn't be one of those places you would think that would be the first people to hurt. But but pretty uh, surprising. Stanford is going to cut eleven varsity sports. Who knew synchronized swimming was a sport? Who do you compete uh, against? I knew it was an Olympic sport. I mean, who do they compete it was an Olympic against? Sport. I guess a lot of California schools must have those sports. Got to have places must to go be. play. You know, when I grew up in Virginia, going to high school, we had uh, we had field hockey teams. That was actually a pretty popular. Uh, sport. I remember boys and girls field hockey teams, but I don't know, Luke. You know, you 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 start to wonder too when you see schools that have the money of Stanford and some of these other big universities. You just can't help but worry about the smaller schools. You know, if these other schools are, I guess it's all relative, uh, I suppose. But uh, how how in the world are the small schools going to survive this if the big ones are having to cut you know dozens of of athletic programs? Well, the synchronized swimming team at Stanford is only one of four in the NCAA. Ohio State, Wheaton College, and University of the Incarnate Word are the four U.S. colleges with synchronized swimming. So now there's they're down to three. Yeah, you, you bring up a great point. Um, you feel like that uh, it's an incentive though for the, for the Power Five to to have football with the tv deals i mean right. regardless oh, yeah, of whether sure. fans are going to be in the stands they're getting 45 million uh sec schools are getting that and so they have obviously have that that safety net underneath um i guess an argument could be made that uh schools in the group of five with a small athletic budget um they they may pay less maybe a, but a dollar is a dollar you know right. um so you're not having to fork out five million dollars in coaching salary but you didn't have five million to fork out anyway so I've been. I, I, I'm just being transparent here. Um, either, you know, the 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 brass that we love and trust at Southern Miss is keeping it pretty close to the chest, giving a really good um, outward expression, and on the inside, it's it's not panic mode, but it would be some frustration. We just hadn't seen that, and and I wonder which it is. And and you you got to think in a lot of ways, no matter what would be going on. Obviously, you would want your fan base reassured, and but I, I'm thankful. I'll tell you this much, Bob. I'm thankful Jeremy McLean's leading the ship right now. No, I completely agree with that. Totally, <clears throat> totally. I don't I don't think the athletic department uh, could be in any better hands. 
Here's a question for you, Luke. College football. Has the SEC become so big that it could do what we think the NFL could do? It could play its games on television with no fans allowed into the stadium and draw big TV audiences. I think it could. And if what Kelly said comes to pass where it's just hard. Okay, so it's still, though, if if 64% of the NFL audience doesn't like the NFL – the remaining 36% might still be a little more than would even watch some of the best games in college football. That's just how high the NFL is above everywhere else. But I'll tell you what, if people get mad at the NFL and Power 5, specifically SEC football, is on TV, they might rival some of the the medium games in the NFL mm-hmm. just because – if I'll tell you this, though. If nobody's allowed in the stands – the TV audience, particularly in the southern part of the United States, may approach NFL numbers just for uh, for people to be able to watch. Well, I would think so. Yeah, I think I think that's a, I think that's a legitimate uh, observation. Now, let's talk for a minute about the NFL and this survey that Ke- I haven't seen this article, but I certainly trust anything Kelly tells us about stuff like that. Uh, Sixty north of sixty percent of the fans say they're prepared to boycott the NFL. I'm just going to speak personally here for a second i love nfl football i grew up watching nfl football my family are all huge nfl football fans we're we're prepared and i and i think i could do it pretty easily to walk away from the game if uh if there any if these crazy developments continue these crazy things that we're we're hearing out of the nfl these crazy things that are occurring uh, with the Redskin organization, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to talk about that too much. Uh, but uh, can you see that, Luke? Can you really see I, – I, Jason Whitlock, who is a brilliant sports writer, uh, recently I, – I saw him a couple of nights ago say this. Uh, if the NFL plays a quote-unquote black national anthem and all the players are standing – and then the American National Anthem is played and all the players kneel, the NFL will never be seen the same again by a vast majority of the people. Are we that close to seeing something as mighty as the NFL take a tumble? It, it will take a it'll take a, a little bit. I mean, we saw that in the, in, in the last couple of years. It's just people want to, the average American, regardless of, of what ethnicity you are, the reason you watch sports is to be able to unplug from the craziness and everywhere else. And the craziest landscape in America is politics. It's the most polarizing. For some people, it's the most enjoyable. But when people want to watch football on a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday afternoon, the last thing they want to do is to hear all the stuff that they've heard Monday through Friday. That's the escape of it. And so that is why things like this are coming about. Of course, some of the biggest voices in the media want a particular agenda, whatever that might be, to be run. So, yeah, from the media, you may hear that this is a good thing. Here's the thing. I don't I don't want – I was thinking about this the other day. I, I, watching golf and watching how Tiger has come back and, you know, when he won the Masters um, – this just clicked to me. I was thinking about golf last night, Bob. I have never, and this could be this could be wrong. If somebody might call me out over this, or I don't care. I've, I, ne- particularly the the athletes that I grew up loving, 
and, and golf is Tiger Woods, but let's go further than back. Baseball, it was Ryan Sandberg and Nolan Ryan. Um, I had, uh, and in football, of course, it, it was it was Brett Favre. Uh, but I remember man on Tecmo Bowl as a kid uh, playing in Nintendo, and Walter Payton, Jerry Rice. I never once thought about the ethnicity of those guys. No. As a kid. Dude, Bo Jackson? I mean, come on. I mean, Bo right. Jackson, probably the greatest athlete that's ever played sports. I never thought about the ethnicity of those guys one bit. Man, they were my heroes. I had posters. I had their trading cards. I remember the day that I got a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. Man, I thought that I was, I, I thought I had arrived beyond arrival because I had a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. And that's what's so amazing about sports. And when I played football at Southern Miss, I didn't think what ethnicity my, my friends were. No. I didn't think about their politics. They no. were my brothers. Right. And so, Everything that makes sports good in that sense, the unifying nature of sports. You can watch people from all walks of life. A touchdown happens, can't do it this year, obviously, but at a Saints game, man, you're hugging, you're high-fiving, you're celebrating, you're yelling together. The things, it's things like this that the NFL would do that would cause further, further division in an area that brings Americans together. And I think that is why you have polls like that that Kelly talked about. No question. Growing up, my my heroes were people like Bobby Mitchell and Charlie Taylor and Dexter Manley and uh, Larry Brown, uh, amongst other Redskin players. It never once occurred to me what race they were. They they were my heroes, man. They were my, uh, you know, they they were my guys. I wore their jerseys. I got their cards. I. I just hope that doesn't happen because I do think sports are, are one thing that can keep the country together, keep us all on the same page, remind us that we all have something in common, and that is that we're all Americans, and that we have a love for these great sports. And it's really my hope that, uh, sincerely, that, that that's not damaged. And I'll bet you, you feel the same way. Absolutely. We'll be back. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. We appreciate you joining us on a rainy Wednesday. Luke and Bob from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. Thanks for tuning in to the Eagle Hour today. The fourth segment brought to you every day by Toyota of Hattiesburg, located on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and online Toyota Hattiesburg dot com uh, I, I mentioned a little earlier jim harbaugh um taking some heat on twitter today uh and and who, who, okay so who doesn't take heat on twitter okay yeah. <laughs> who um opposing viewpoints of the mob always take heat on twitter and i'm not suggesting bob that harbaugh is right in saying this i just was trying to earlier when we were talking to kelly just you know the other side of thinking 
And I, th- I certainly think that people out there feel this way. Jim Harbaugh, during a conference call today, COVID is part of our society. It wasn't caused by football or caused by sports. Now, I, I get that, Captain Obvious. I understand that. The, the second part is the, what I'm getting at. There's no expert view right now that I'm aware of that sports is going to make that worse. Now, he is speaking specifically. He's in his 50s, but he's speaking specifically about um, 18 to 22-year-olds. And I'm not saying that's a correct viewpoint. I'm not saying that's the right opinion. Certainly our friends in the medical field would dissect that to pieces. At the same token, just it, and it doesn't make it right that a bunch of people believe that, but there is a gla- there is a huge part of our country that feels a, a little that way. They they just they want to say whatever's facing us, let's plow ahead. And what's hard, Bob, through all this is this may be the most political eagle hour we've had in, in a long time. But what makes it so hard about this? You're asking Americans to not act like Americans. That, no, that's, <laughs> I guess that's no, the, that's right. That's the the, hmm. the best way to describe it. You're asking people to limit their freedom, but you're doing it voluntarily, and they get that. But but you know, just uh, people can't. When you look up and July Fourth fireworks being canceled, uh, fireworks shows being canceled, you just wonder what's going on. But Jim Harbaugh taking a lot of heat right now. By basically wanting to push ahead, whether that's for herd immunity, whether that's just to uh, just to be able to face it, um, but I think a lot of people in our society and country are feeling that way right now. I think I think you're exactly right, and I think the freedom and independence that makes us Americans, which is it's our DNA, is it's what we are. In this particular instance, is in a sense working against us, if that makes sense. I mean. It is our natural impulse to be, to be, you know, rebellious to someone telling us we can't go to church or we can't go in a store without wearing a mask. I get that 150%. And I think it's that independence right now that is causing the United States to ha- have a more difficult time getting a handle on this disease than maybe some other countries where, where maybe, Luke, people just don't. <laughs> They just aren't quite as independent and ferocious about their independence as we are. And you know, here's the important thing: we got to find we got to find a middle ground here. By yep. no means do we need to give up our independence. Never, ever, ever. Uh, on the same hand, we, we've got to figure out a way to work together to tamp this disease down, so that we can feel comfortable getting out. Uh, we can feel comfortable going to watch our football team play, our basketball team. Uh, you know, you know what I'm saying. I mean, there, there just has to someone has to step up and help us find a middle road. It's, and and it goes back to that's what I appreciate about Mark Horn is that he has been this way. He gets it. He gets freedom. He gets rights. He gets. Uh, so here's the here's the way. You've got to exercise it in such a way to love your neighbor. You've got to exercise it in such a way to respect your neighbor. And the fact is. Um, I get it. I felt that way, man. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I've, there's been times that I was going to go into a business and there's a sign on the door. You can't come in without a mask and you just get mad and you go back to your car and be like, this is America, you know, right. at the same token, um, when I had a very, uh, very, very, very close friend of mine, his father passed away, um, uh, about six, six to seven weeks ago, it hit me. 
And so that's why, I like I told you and Dr. Horn, I was in um, Best Buy the other day with an N95 mask on that I will not wear again because I've actually found there's better options. Yep. If, if anybody out there has been wearing an N95 mask during during this pandemic, the best if you haven't worn one, the best equivalent it is put about um, 15 buckets of whale lard on your upper lip <laughs> and coat it with like 15 different coats of horse hair whale lord and that's and about horse hair. as that's comfortable cool. as that's as it nice. is that's that's very nice there all right i'm gonna bet your wife is an example your wife is a nurse that young lady wears a mask every day doesn't she she's well, at work when, when you're up there yeah yeah she does she wears it and she wears it in worship um, if she, if, you know, even I've seen her wear it in, in families homes where close family that, you know, people that right. are in that at risk category, she wears it. And, uh, you know, she's been pretty stringent towards it for her. It's just a, uh, it's a focus of loving your neighbor as yourself, serving your neighbor as yourself, man. I don't know if I mentioned Southern Miss one or once or twice today, Bob, but I guess some days well, during a pandemic you yeah. got to have a show like. Well, this. here's some parting advice for our listeners: follow the lead of Lauren because she's a lot smarter than anyone that participates in this show every day. <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow at one right. o'clock. We appreciate you listening, Southern Miss to the top. Into the future I wanna fly like an eagle To the sea Fly like an eagle Let my spirit carry me I want to fly like an eagle Till I'm free Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.